In the word of the Lord, we're going to begin at Hebrews, the 10th chapter and the 23rd verse. And I'm going to read three verses to you tonight that, that I believe that God has laid on my heart. Now, I was up here almost all day just, just trying to hear from the Lord. And I had no idea all of this other stuff was going on in our country. I was totally oblivious and unaware of the fact that all that stuff was going on in Washington. And what it just speaks to me right now is there are a lot of people that have misplaced their trust and their hope in the institutions of this world. Now, I'm patriotic. I love the United States. I don't want to go anywhere, live anywhere else. This is where, and I'm patriotic. But folks, understand this. Republicans, Democrats, Independents, none of them have an answer to what's coming upon this world right now. The globalists, the elites, the powerful, they have an agenda that no, no party, no political party can stop. And it's in your Bible, it's in the word of the Lord, that you and I are, the, the Bible says that evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, not get better and better. It says because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold, not grow hotter. This world is on a downward, precipitous trajectory that is going to end up in utter anarchy and chaos. But my Bible tells me that in the midst of all of that darkness, there's going to be a light that's going to shine forth. And it's going to be the church of the living God. It's not time for us to hold our head down. It's time to lift up our eyes to the place that our help comes from. And realize... That, that the only hope this world has is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hebrews 10 and 23, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Or the King James says the profession of our faith without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you, and, and this part in my Bible, I don't know about yours, is capitalized. This isn't just any day. It's the day. As you see the day. What day? The last days. The, the great and terrible day. The end. As we approach the end, and how many of you know we are approaching the end? We're not getting further away. We're approaching the end. It's now or never for the church. And so, number one, you got to be a part of the church. Everybody say, I want to be a part of the church. It's through the church that you're going to receive the training, the strength, the anointing, the power, the impartation to do the things that God has called you to do in these last days. So from where you are in the building, I want you to raise your hands and I want number one for you to thank God that you have a church. And then number two, I want you to begin to praise God and ask God, Lord, give me a greater connection to the church, to your church, to the body of Christ. Place me in this, this body, Lord, anoint me to be what you have called me and empowered me and destined me to be in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we clap to him? How about it? Why don't we clap to him? I suppose in the day that you and I live in that I have a very unique story in that the church has been the center of my life since I was born. 
Yeah, thank you for that rousing applause, Jackson. He can agree with me. I wish the rest of y'all were that on point tonight. That from the time I was his age, the church has been the center of my life. I was born into a family that loves church, and I have known nothing but church my whole life. I, I got drugged to church even when I didn't want to go to church. I went to church sick. I went to church tired. I went to church when I had homework. I went to church no matter what. If church was going on, we were, Aaron, we were at church. It's the place where I was led to the saving knowledge. The first time I ever went to the altar, I believe I was in the fourth grade. A fourth grader, I went to the altar because God was dealing with my heart. It's the place where I was given the sanctifying knowledge of the, the truth of the word of God. It's where I was repented and filled with the spirit. I didn't get the Holy Ghost like some people out in a field somewhere or in a truck or on a deer stand. I got it at church. I got the Holy Ghost at church. It's where I learned how to live. It's where I learned how to love God. It's where I learned how to serve the Lord. It's the place where I was established as a Christian it's also the place where all the goals of my life, the standards of my life, the principles of my life have been laid down. I met my wife in church. John, where'd you meet your wife? No, no, no. I met my wife. I met my wife at church. That's where I met my wife. It was in church. It's all right. It's okay. I met my wife. In church, it's where I've tried to raise my children. Do you know that when my little boy was born, that when I brought him home from the hospital, I pulled up under that eave out there. Before I ever took him home, I brought him in this church. And I walked in his little baby carrier. I walked him through these aisles. And I prayed over him. And I said, son, this is where your life is going to be forged. I said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. I wanted it to be said that my kids' first trip was to the house of the Lord, to the church. That's how serious I take this. So don't get up and tell me this place isn't essential. Don't ever stand up and say, you, you can... Let me tell you what, now, don't get me wrong. You can feel something online. You, I've, I've, I've talked in tongues watching an online church. You can feel something online, but it's a lot like watching a fire burn, a fireplace. I've got this thing uh, over my fireplace, and I can push it, and it'll put this beautiful, magnificent fire that's burning on this big uh you know, 60-inch screen. It's a fire. It's a, and it looks so real. High def, 4K. It, look, it sounds like a fire. It looks like a fire. If you close your eyes, you can almost smell the fire. But if I walk up there and put my hand toward it, it puts off no heat. That's what online church is. It looks like church. It sounds like church. It smells like church, but it just doesn't produce the heat that being in what an apostolic service is like where he were in Sunday night. I gotta have the fire, the Holy Ghost, and 
to five. It's where I've given my life, every bit of my life, and I will continue to do so until I die. And after I die, I want to be in a church in heaven forever and ever and ever. I just won't be the one preaching anymore, but I'll be in worship. I'll be in church. And you and I will be together collectively worshiping our great God in his presence. Church is my life and it will forever be my life. I can't imagine my life without church. I don't know what folks do that don't go to church on Sunday morning. I want to be in the house of the Lord. If I'm not here, I'm usually at some other church. And whenever I'm not here, I'm usually preaching in another church. But there are occasions when I'm not here where I've been on vacation or whatever and I'll I'll go to a church and I'm put in the role of spectator. And can I tell you, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like going to those kind of churches. I don't know the people. I don't know anybody. I can't connect with anybody. I don't know what he's preaching last week or the week before that. I don't have any continuity. I just dropped in for a one Sunday situation, taking whatever comes down the pike to me. I have nothing to offer, no ministry, no accountability, nothing to give. I just land there and I'm gone. And and I have begun to realize that a lot of people, their relationship with church is just like that. But that's not what God intended for it to be. I am committed with all my heart to the church and not just the church in a generic sense. I'm committed to this church. I want to be in this church. I'll visit from time to time, preach somewhere from time to time, but I I hate to tell them that while I'm up preaching to them, I'm thinking about this church. I can be in Tennessee or Texas or Florida or the Philippines But I'm thinking about this church. I was sitting in an airport hangar on a little island in the Philippines on a Monday. And I was sitting there burning up my internet data watching you guys have church on the other side of the world. And and because I love this church. I'm invested in this church. I want to know what happened here. I don't ever, when when I'm gone, I'm calling. Soon as I think it might be over. Hey, what happened? Anybody get baptized? Who prayed tonight? Who got a blessing from the Lord? I am totally invested with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength in this church. Do you know that the average pastor, I wish Brother Elmo was here to go, woo, because he would right here. I wish that, that you understood that the average tenure of a pastor in the United States is three years at a church. Three years. Do you know, and it's hard for me to believe it, I've looked it up several times, but they say right now that 1,700 pastors are leaving the ministry every month in the United States. 1,700 pastors. We're going to have a pastor shortage before long. Three years is the average. that's That's just enough time to get nothing done. Three years is just enough time to get nothing done. This is a day where everybody has the concept, I need my needs met. I want fulfillment. I want to be happy, et cetera, et cetera. So we bounce along thinking that we can find a more favorable spot that goes all the way down through our culture. You know, I was telling somebody the other day that there's been a culture change in church. When I was growing up, If the pastor was doing a bad job or the church didn't like the job the pastor was doing, they would would bind together and they would run him off. 
run him off. Now, I don't know what that in, in all consists of, but they would, they'd get rid of him. They'd run him off. But now as a pastor, you don't have to worry about people running you off. They just won't come. They just won't come back. And so they won't run you off, but you just be by yourself, preaching to yourself, singing to yourself, talking to yourself, because that's the culture that we're in. Used to, if you didn't like your insurance agent, Brother Dustin, they would just get rid of the insurance agent, but they'd stay with Now they'll shop around. They'll get online. They'll, I mean, if they don't like their doctor, there's a, they'll find them another doctor. They don't like that. They'll find that there's no commitment, and that has kind of trickled down into church. Now listen to me. There's some churches I wouldn't go to, so I'm not preaching about that. There's some churches I'd dry up and die and be lost. I mean, I, I couldn't go to those churches. I'm glad that this is not one of those churches. You can be saved from this church. So don't get me wrong. I get it. But once you find a church like this church, I would just say, let your roots sink deep and let your, let, let this be a place where they, where they preach your funeral and where they marry your kids and they, they dedicate your grandkids. Let this be a place where you let your roots sink deep because I don't know about a lot of other places, but you can go to heaven from here. You get saved right here. You can get fed and find your purpose and your destiny right here. You don't have to backslide from here. So this is a day. It goes through our culture. And so we as a church uh, culture, we try to, to accommodate a very high mobility in the pastorate and in the laity. And even more than that, people seem to be looking for the briefest kind of association when it comes to church. Uh, just just hit me with a Sunday night every once in a while. And I'll be happy. One hour, I'm in there, I'm out of there. It doesn't mess up my whole day mentality. And, and this shows up in the unwillingness of people to commit to church. The, the church is defined by consumer mentality and the idea that you're supposed to, to give something to people rather than what the church's intention biblically is, and that's people to come together and glorify and lift up God and then to give ministry to each other. It's a very difficult time for the church right now. We live in a day of consumerism, just like any other kind of consumerism. People feel little or no attachment to anything, no obligation to anything, no commitment or loyalty to anything. Church attendance is irregular, sporadic, and hit and miss. I talked to a guy one time not too long ago, and I asked him, and he was so happy, and I asked him, I said, uh, he was just thrilled to be a Christian. I mean, he was just pumped. You know, I'm a Christian. Hallelujah. And I said, well, where do you go to church? He said, I go to five churches. I said, you go to five churches? He said, yeah. He said, I go here, and then if, if I want to, I'll go over here. And then I'll go here for a while, and then I'll go here, and I'll go here. And, and, and he's like, I'm so spiritual. One church is not good enough for me. I go to five And, and you look at church kind of like the movie page. And I'm going to pick this one this week and pick this one next week. But when I look at the metaphors that the Bible uses to talk about church in the New Testament, the analogies, the illustrations, all of them celebrate an organic unity that it means when you become a part of a church. 
All of them celebrate interdependence, not independence, interdependence. For example, the church is called a family. We're called the household of God. A household or a family is a metaphor that talks about commonality, common life, common source, common parentage, common concerns, common responsibilities, shared life. Imagine if you had five families. Well, where's he at? I guess he's with one of his other four families tonight. That's not what God's called us to be. Imagine if I went by Aaron's house and I asked Gina, where's Aaron? I don't know he's with one of his other five families. I don't know what he's doing tonight. That's not what God, that's not a family. A family is common bond, common unity, common denominator. And that's what the church of God is called to be. You're not called to have five churches. You're called to be a part of the church, the living church, the true church, the church that preaches the gospel. How many of you know that you don't need any spectators in the family? You need participators. You need people that are involved in making the family work and producing and, and giving back to the family. You don't need any hangers on on your family. You want to mess a family up, you just let somebody move in from the outside that doesn't contribute anything. Your wife's not going to put up with that very long. I'm not cooking for them, cleaning after them, washing their clothes, feeding them, paying their bills. If they're going to stay here, they've got to contribute. And that's the way we ought to feel about the church of the living God. I'm not coming here for you to just pour into me and pour into me. I'm here to lift up Jesus. I'm here to give something to lift you up. I want to minister. That's the church. There's nothing in that metaphor that leads us to a conclusion that there are any spectators in the church. Nobody is a spectator in a family. You're involved on a life commitment in basis. If you could take the illustration of the New Testament church, and, and, and it's, it's Jesus said it's a vine that has branches, that you're connected to me, and without me, you can do nothing. If you take another picture of the church, they called it the body of Christ. Your arm doesn't decide tomorrow to go be a part of another body. It's connected to its body. It's, it's, it's foreign. Uh, you know, if, if you get an organ transplant, you got to take medication to keep your body from rejecting that organ. Because it's not a natural part of the body. It's an organic connection. It's an interdependence. The body's a perfect illustration. We are not a crowd of people that are here just watching the same event go on like a football game. We are a church of the living God. We are a body united by a common flow of blood, a common heart, a common head who is Christ Jesus. His life is pulsing through us organically. It connects us on a spiritual level. There's no such thing as a saint or a child of God that has a disconnect or an independence from the body. You've got to be a part of the body. He said we're a holy temple, fitly framed together, put together logistics, interconnected to produce a temple that God's spirit can dwell in. We're all joined to each other. That's the body, the vine, the branches, the family, the building. It talks about our interdependence upon each other. I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ outside, isolated, one-on-one. -on -one. 
one, I need you. I need you to help me become what God's called me to be. I can't be what God's called me to be on my own. I need a church. I need a pastor. I need a church body. I need somebody to pray for me when I can't pray for myself. I need somebody to lift me up when I can't lift up myself. The Bible says it's you're in good company when you fall and you're not alone. You got somebody to help you up. He said, but woe to the man who when he falls, he's alone because he has nobody to pick him up. This is a body. And when you fall, I'm going to lift you up. And sometimes I need you to come and rub me between the shoulder blades and pray for me and say, hey, pastor, I'm here to lift you up. We are one body with one head. That's Christ Jesus. But we are intertwined and interconnected we are joined together we have a corporate relationship with Jesus Christ do you know that together we can do things that not any one of us could do on our own do you know that together that you and I can make an impact that not one of us can make on our own but when we come together under the umbrella of his name and under the banner of his spirit and under the power of his blood and we get together, we can make an impact all over the world. We can have a footprint all over the world that we could never do on our own. You know, when I stood on foreign soil on other continents on the other side of the world, I wasn't standing there alone. I was standing there with you because you helped me get there. I didn't go on my own. You sent me. And that was the deal with the church. Nobody went. You had to be sent. You had to have the backing. You had to have the foundation of a church. The moment that I obey his word, the Bible tells me, and I'm baptized in his name and baptized with his spirit. It says he puts me in the body. That's what happened to me. I was placed in the church. You see, this church is very unique in and from other churches in this community and in this city is you don't join this church. This isn't my church to let you join. There's no card you sign. There's no class you take. You know how you get in this church? Jesus puts you in this church. You obey his word. I, I can't put anybody in the body. He puts them in the body. Do, do you know that the churches in the New Testament knew who belonged in them? And there was no such thing as a believer who didn't belong to a local church, a local assembly. You were in the church at Ephesus. You were in the church at Colossae. You were in the church at Thessalonica. You were in the church at Corinth. Wherever you were, if you were a saint, you were in a church. You didn't function on your own. You were part of a church. All the epistles of the New Testament. There is no epistle that was not directed either to a church or to the leader of a church. They were written to churches. There's no word from God to anybody who wasn't in a church. There's no free-floating epistles that, that's to somebody that's just running loose doing their own renegade thing. They were written either to the churches to be read to the church or to the leaders of the church. And, and let me just unfold something else to you about this. It's, it's crystal clear. The pattern is there. It's not arguable. 
There's no such thing as a Christian who didn't belong to a congregation. There's no such thing. He went. He worshiped God. He heard the scriptures explained and expounded while he was there. He ministered his gifts and the others to him and to them. He served the people. He came under the leadership and the authority of the church. That was where his life was centered. So you see, first of all, there's an obedience issue here. The New Testament teaches us that we need to be committed to a church. There's no such thing as a Christian who's not committed and associated to a church. It was a union of saved souls manifesting themselves in a local congregation of believers who gathered themselves for worship, corporate testimony. And, and all the epistles, epistles, as I said, it was written to them. None of them were written to people who didn't belong to a congregation because that was an impossibility. This is your family. This is your church. Well, well, I don't have a family. I just bounce around from family to family. I might sleep in their house tonight and I might sleep. No, you don't do that. You belong to a family. Of course you have a family. And in 1 Corinthians 1 and 9, the Bible says you were called into the family of Jesus Christ. You were called to salvation. You were called to fellowship. That Greek word is koinonia. It means partnership. You are in partnership with Christ and you are in partnership with his church. You were called into a communion, a common life. John talks about it three times in the first chapter. Fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. We are in fellowship with Jesus. We are in fellowship with his suffering. We are in fellowship with his spirit. Galatians talks about it. First Thessalonians talks about it. Hebrews 10 talks talks about it. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering because he who promised us is faithful. Verse 24. Then we got to figure out how to stimulate one another to good works. Do you know why church is so important? When you come together in a church, it encourages you to do something good for God. He said, let us stimulate one another to good works. Let us encourage one another to do the will of God and to make a difference. Do you know when I lay out of church, I get me focused. When I don't have church, I get focused on what I want, how I want, when I want. But when I'm around you, John, when we met here Friday night or, or last Wednesday night, when I walked out of here, I was thinking about who can I minister to? Who can I touch? What door can I knock? What Bible study can I teach? When we get together as a body of Christ, it's it promotes good works and purpose among us. But when you do your own thing, it quickly becomes all about you. And then he said, not forsaking. Don't forsake it. Very interesting that word, forsake. It means that it loses importance and priority. He said, what's going to happen in the last days is church is going to lose priority and preeminence in people's lives. I, I was talking to somebody this week and last week, and I, I said, now God would probably strike me down if I preached this because this is anti-Bible. I said, but this is almost where I am with folks. I'm almost to the point where I'm not even about preaching put God first. Now watch this. This is where I am after dealing with people. 
I told my wife, I told Brother Jeremy, I believe it was. I told some other people. I said, I'm to the point now to where I'm not even about preaching put God first. I would be happy if people just gave God the same consideration they give everything else in their life. I'm not even talking about putting him first. I just wish you treated church like you treat your job. I just wish that you gave Jesus the same courtesy you give your boss. I wish you gave Jesus the same priority and courtesy that you give your kids ball game. It amazes me. We're not late for church. We're not late for, I mean, we're not late for work. We're not late for the doctor's appointment. We're not late for the kids' ball game. We're not late for our movie times. We're not late for our doctor's appointments. We're not late for our dinner reservations. We're not late to pick up our friends' kids for the babysitting. But it amazes me how we treat the house of God. I'm to, God would strike me dead, I believe, if I did it. But I'm to the point now, I just wish people would give God the same courtesy that they give everything in their else in their life that doesn't matter. Just love church like you love your job. Don't love it more. Just love it like you love your job. Just put God on the same level that you put your hobbies. Does that make sense? We would be busting at the seams if people took church as serious as they took their job. I got people that, that when we post something on social media, they share it. They share our messages, but they won't come to church. When we have a some COVID or something happens and we got to cancel service, they share it like, like they were going to be here anyway. I mean, I'll see it. It'll pop up on their social media page. I ain't seen you in months and you share. Like you, like everybody needs to know we're not having church because I might have showed up and, and, I mean, it's been so long since I've seen you. If I saw your kids, I wouldn't recognize them. They're all grown up now. They got kids of their own, and you sharing we're not having church this weekend. Like, like oh, like, man, that was the one Sunday I was going to go this decade. See, the lights are dim. They really don't know who it is up here talking. They really can't see me. I mean, it blows my mind. Well, you know, I, I, yeah, there we go. Craig was like, I was trying not to draw attention to it, but since you did, we might as well fix it. I mean, somebody, somebody said... You know, I, I, I'm not going back. I'm going to another. I, 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 what difference does it make which church you stay home from? <laughs> Fellowship is critical. I'm not upset. I mean, I'm, 
When you start preaching, when you, when you cover stuff, you just cover it. You just let the chips fall where they may. And I thought for a second, I said, well, maybe they're, they're not watching. I mean, they're not watching. They're not coming. They're not watching. I mean, if I wouldn't come, why would I watch something I won't come to? I mean, if I'm going to stay home on Wednesday night, I'm going to watch something, you know. I mean, I'm not going to watch church. I go to church. I don't watch church. I go to church. Church is a loyalty issue. What does that mean? It's simple. It means I'm called to you. You're called to me. Man, it was so cool to see Shane over here receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost Sunday night. My God. I, w- I was so high on the Holy Ghost, I had to duck my head when I went out. I thought I was going to hit my head going out the door. I was so high in the spirit. But I was so grateful that, that when the Holy Ghost started moving on Shane, he knew where to go. He knew where to go. This, this is his church. This is his church, and it's a loyalty issue. I'm going to be loyal to you, and you're to be loyal to me. I want to be loyal to those who are in my family. I want to be loyal to my wife, loyal to my kids, loyal to my grandkids, to my kids-in-law. I want to be loyal to all the people that God has surrounded me with, loving them, faithful to them. That's what it means to be part of a family. I want you to know that I protect you. I don't run you down. I don't get involved when somebody's talking about you. I defend you. I stand up for you because that's what family does. We We fight for one another. We get between one another and the enemy that's trying to destroy them. Do you know what it means to be a part of a family I've seen family members get in fights and get in arguments and get in knock down drag outs and you think they hate each other until somebody else talked about them I can cuss him but you don't say a word to him that's the way people are with their kids I will beat those heathens all the way back to the car but you don't even look at them funny that's my kids. That's my family. And I, what, what would be if we were like that in the church, if we were that fiercely loyal to one another and what God was trying to do in our life, that when they're down, we pick them up and, and we call them. Do you know what I want to have happen? When we have a guest show up here on Sunday mornings, here's what I want to have happen. We, we, we've got people now that are, that are here. They're kind of, you know, they're, they're moving in. They're, they're, God's touching them. God's flowing. But if you see a guest here, here's what I want. I want to get on their Facebook on Monday, a first-time guest, and I want to see where 30 people from this church got on their Facebook and said, hey, I was so thankful you're in church. I hope your kids enjoyed it. I hope your family enjoyed it. What would it mean? Now, you share recipes. You share cat videos and dog videos and you share videos of the perfect sunset on your porch drinking coffee why don't you get on a guest Facebook page and get on there and type hey take five seconds and say it was awesome to have you in church on Sunday that's what a family does that's how you're going to impact people they're going to know it mattered that I was in the house of the Lord with them hey that's a family they know when I'm there they know when I'm not there the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice when, when you see John run, some of y'all need to run with him. When you see somebody down in the altar crying, you go down there and you cry with them. What are we crying about? I don't know, but we're crying together. What are we broke up about? I don't know what we're so torn up about, but we're going to be torn up together because whatever you're carrying, I'm going to carry it with you. 
What are we dancing about? I don't know, but I'm not going to let you dance by yourself. If it's good for you, it's good for me. And finally, it's a ministry issue. What are you? What do you think the church is? Do you know some people look at the fuel stop, the church like a fuel stop, like Lebo's, like Dalton's, like Anna's? It's a fuel stop. I exhaust all my energy out there, and I'm going to slide in and get fueled up. Then I'm going to go exhaust my energy out there again. So it's just a fuel stop, a spiritual restaurant where you just go fill your belly. I hear people say all the time, I go there because I get fed. But if you don't get up and do something, you're just going to be fat and lazy. Christian, sitting on a pew, getting fed and fed. And fed, and fed, never exercising, never praying, never investing, never pouring out, never, never putting into someone else, never giving away, just, just fed, just fed, just give me more, give me more, give me more, just gorging yourself. Do you know that you come in here to be fed so you can take what you've received? Jesus told his disciples, here's the concept. Freely you have received, now freely turn around and give it away. I, let me give you this concept about blessing. This is why we're so big on giving around here. Because when you don't give, the blessing dies with you. When you receive, but then you don't give. Stops right here. Brother George Guy, one of the most amazing men I've ever... It's no telling how many tens of millions of dollars went through that man's hands. But the problem was he gave it all away. Because he understood that if God can't trust me with $10, how's God going to trust... Let me explain something to you. If God can't trust you with $10 out of 100 that he blessed you with, don't ask him to give you any more. If, let me put it to you like this. If God can give you a dollar, but you can't successfully steward a dime, what in the world is God going to give you any more for? And we wonder why, oh my God, I can't get out, I can't get... Do you know you can give yourself out of a financial hardship and a financial disaster? When I get in trouble financially, that's not when I tighten my belt. That's when I open up my arms and say, God, I'm going to give a little more mission. I'm going to give a little more. And you watch God. He'll open up the windows of heaven. He'll pour you out a blessing you cannot receive. And, 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 and don't ever think that God gave this to me just for me to hold on to. God gave it to you for you to be a conduit. And when you give, he said, it shall be given. We skip the give part. We just want to go straight to the giving. But he said, give. You want to get. You want to receive. Give. That's what this church family is all about.
How many of you are thankful that this is a giving church? That this is a church that pours into one another and helps one another and stands by one another? We can do more together than we could ever do on our own. Spiritual couch potatoes. You ever seen a couch potato? Do y'all know what a couch? I don't know what the biblical definition of a couch potato is. I couldn't find it in my. They don't have couch potato in there. But you get the, the idea. Just fed, 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 fed. Don't have any energy to serve. No energy to minister. He's given us everything he's given us in order for us to turn around and invest it. We are serving. And then finally, it's a truth issue. I could say a lot about this, but I don't have time. It's a truth issue. What do I mean by that? How do you pick a church? How do you, how do you pick a church? What do you look for? What do I look for in a church? Somebody said, fellowship, caring, and sharing. That's what's most important. But you know, I thought, you could probably find that at a bar. A cult. I mean, cults do that. They share. They care. They fellowship. You could probably find that at the Masonic Lodge. Or Weight Watchers. (laughs) Fellowship. Caring. And sharing. The question I want you to ask about a church is not how good is the music. And we've got amazing music. Not how comfortable is the environment. Not how easy is it to find a place to park. Not even how clever the preacher is. The question you need to ask yourself when you pick a church, number one, how do they handle the truth? That's the only question. Because if they don't do that right, none of the other stuff matters. Do you know, Brother Johnny James said, every church in the world, every religion in the world is good enough to live by. Islam's good enough to live by. Judaism is good enough to live by. Every religion, every denomination in the world is good enough to live by. The question is, is it good enough to die by? Because when you reach the end, parking, music style, worship contemporary, lights, camera, action, none of that matters. The question is, did you hear the truth and did you obey the truth? And if you've got a church that's not preaching the truth, you need to find another church. It's not fellowship. Fellowship is important. Sharing is important. Caring is important. But you got to have the truth. Fellowship doesn't set you free. Life groups don't set you free. Song selection doesn't set you free. The truth will set you free. You know, there's a lot of people that have tried our church, but they say, you're just too hard. You just demand too much. There's just, you just, the, the people, they just, 
there's too many of this. You know, I, I want to go to a church where I don't have to do anything. I want to go to a church to where the me I am 10 years ago and the me I am today is exactly the same. I don't want to go to a church like that. If I'm correct, Jesus said if you're going to follow him, there's some cross carrying that's involved in that. There's some self-denial that's involved in that. It's not what pleases you. It's what pleases him. That's what you need to look for in a church. Is that church pleasing to God? Is that church doing what it can to touch God? Or is it trying to be seeker sensitive and just give you what you want? For a long time, and, and I'm closing, for a long time, the largest church in the United States was a church in suburban Chicago called Willow Creek. And when Bill Hybels and his team decided they were going to launch Willow Creek, they picked a wealthy, affluent area, and they said, we're going to launch a church. And what they did was they got these long survey cards, and they went door to door in this huge suburban Chicago area and the questions they asked the people was just what do you want you want frappuccinos we'll have frappuccinos when you get in the door you want caramel macchiatos we'll have caramel macchiatos when you get in the door you want a scone to go with your coffee and your hot chocolate would you rather have chocolate or would you rather have blueberry blueberries number one we'll, we'll, we'll have both how about that do you want your church service to last 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or 60 minutes? 40 minutes? We're going to have a 40-minute church service. What temperature do you like the building at? Would you like it at 68, 69, or 69 and a half? We'll put it on 69 and a half. That's what the, and they literally built a church on what people wanted. And it was, for a time, the largest church in the United States. It's a shell of itself today. Because upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Not on the preferences of the community. The question you need to ask yourself is not do they have decaf or caffeinated. The question you need to ask yourself is do they believe the truth, have a relationship with Jesus, and can I grow into my purpose in God? Those are the questions you need to ask yourself. I'm closing, I'm closing, I'm closing. Probably the most famous preacher in America is in Houston right now. He's got a big church. And he went on Oprah Winfrey. And she just point blank asked him, why, why don't you preach against, you never preach against sin? He said, well, there's just so many wonderful things in the Bible to preach about. Why would I ever talk about sin? Because Jesus said, without holiness, without separation, without a concept that God wants me to be more than what I am, your religion's in vain. We're not trying to make you like us. We're trying to make us like him. That's what this is all about. And so here's what kind of church we are. When you come, this is what you can expect. We know what time we start. If you want to know what time we end, we can give you a ballpark, but we can't tell you exactly because this is his church. This isn't our church. We just know when we start.
you're, you're going to be loved like no other church in this world is going to love you. They're going to love you like that here. I had a guest, a friend of mine who, who came in here, and he came to a service, and I saw him after church. And he said, he was from Lake Charles area, and he said, this is, by, and he was raised in church all his life. He said, this is the friendliest church I've ever been in in my life. And, and he was a singer, a, a, a recording artist, traveled all over the United States. He said, I have never been in a church. And while he was telling me that, three people was grabbing him and spinning him around to hug him. And he said, see, see what I'm telling you? This is the, fr- let me tell you, this church will love you. This church will welcome you. You can leave and come back and they're going to love you like you never left. This church loves people. Number two, we're not dead stick in the muds. We love to worship God. We love to give God our best. If they can do it in Baton Rouge and New Orleans and Dallas, we feel like Jesus ought to get it. If the devil can get it, we feel like Jesus ought to get it. Number three, we're going to do everything we can to stay in this word. We're not going to tell you what we think. If we can't back it up with the word, we're not going to talk about it. But if it's in this word, it's important for us to apply it to our life and let God use us. We want to, if you were here Sunday morning, we want to obey this word. Just remain standing. We want to see people filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is the resurrection power. You feel like you can't live a better life? The Holy Ghost is the power to help you live a better life. And we're going to tell you that it's for everybody. It's not just for us. It's not just for our kids. The Bible says, for that promise is unto you and unto your children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. The Holy Ghost is for blacks, it's for whites, it's for Hispanics, it's for Asian. It doesn't matter what color you are what race you are, what ethnicity you are, you need the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is for homosexuals and transgenders. The Holy Ghost is for anybody and everybody. It's for alcoholics, meth addicts, drug addicts, potheads. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. The Holy Ghost is for people that ain't never been married and for people that's been married five times. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. That's what we believe because that's what the Bible says. We don't believe that the person you used to be is the person you have to be the rest of your life. But that God can change you. We believe that you can be healed of any sickness, any disease, any issue in your life. We believe that God can heal cancer. We believe that God can heal diabetes. We believe God can heal coronavirus and COVID-19. We believe that when COVID-21 gets here, God can heal that too. We believe that by his stripes, we are healed. We believe that it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus will forgive you and he will wash you and he will cleanse you and he will cast it as far as the east is from the west am I telling the truth is there anybody here that wants to testify my life was a wreck but Jesus put it back together again
We believe in the gifts of the Spirit in this church. We believe in the operation of the gifts of the Spirit, prophecy, tongues. We believe in the spirit of knowledge. We believe that it didn't end when the last apostle died. But it's still going on in the church today. God is still speaking to his church through miracles, through gifts, through signs, through wonders. Are you glad to be a part of a church that believes that Jesus is still walking among the candlesticks? Lift your hands all over this building right now and just say, God, I don't want to be a part of a church. I want to be part of the church. I want to be part of your church. I'm not joining a denomination. I'm not joining a religion. I'm joining your church. Put me in your body. The body of Christ. For 30 seconds, would you love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? I'm thankful that God is still filling people with the Holy Ghost. It hasn't stopped. It'll happen tonight if you want it. All you got to do is come down here, lift your hands, repent of your sins, and God will fill you with his spirit. It's that easy. That's all you have to do. God will put his spirit, the seed of resurrection, on the inside of your soul. You'll speak with new tongues, a tongue that you didn't learn, that you were never taught. His spirit will take over your mouth and you'll begin to speak in another language. I'm so glad to be a part of God's church. Let's clap our hands to him all over this house. Let's clap our hands to him. Are you mad at me? Are you upset with me? I just want to preach the truth. I just want to tell somebody the truth. Every politician that gets on TV is lying to you. We need somebody to stand up and tell us the truth. I feel you here, Jesus. I feel the troubling of the waters right now. I feel the troubling of the waters right now. We're going a little long tonight, but that's okay. God is moving. His power is here. His spirit is here. 